from the 7.30 The Game studios in Uptown Charlotte. Welcome to the second Yellow Soccer Show. 7.30 The Game, your place for all things Charlotte. Now the host, here's Jason Bailey and Brad Barnett. Welcome to the second Yellow Soccer Show. I am Jason Bailey. Today we are joined by the Charlotte Independence Assistant Coach Dave Dixon. How are you doing today, Dave? I'm great. How about you, Dave? Not too bad, not too bad. All right, Dave, we have a long history here in Charlotte of you coaching with the Eagles before moving on. Um, tell us a little bit just your background with the Charlotte soccer scene before you went to, up to Indianapolis last season. Yeah, so I actually played for the Charlotte Eagles way back in the uh, USISL days in uh, 1997 and 98. Um, when I graduated from college. So that was my first experience here in Charlotte. Loved it here. Then kind of went away and did a bunch of different coaching things. And, uh, and then in 2013 had the uh, opportunity to come back and coach with the Eagles, uh, be an assistant coach with Mark Steffens uh, on his staff for the last two years uh, of the Eagles pro team before we, we sold it to the independents and then transitioned into PDL and uh, was ran the PDL program for a few years. And then last year went to Indy 11 to work with a guy, Martin Rennie, who actually I played with at the Charlotte Eagles. Um, and uh, it was a great experience there. But when the opportunity you know, came up to come back here in Charlotte, it was something that I couldn't pass up. And you completely glossed over that you were the head coach of the PDL champions in 2017, which a number of those players have gone on to professional careers. Just tell us a little bit about that summer and, you know, leading that group of men. Yeah. Yeah, we actually, and to be honest, we probably should have won the PDL championship three years in a row, but some bad coaching and some uh, injuries. Um, we had some really talented groups of players and some guys that have gone on to play you know, all over the USL and a few guys in the, in the MLS um, were drafted at least and stuck a little bit. But, um, but yeah, the 2017 group was, was a, a special group. I would say probably not our most talented group if you broke it down into pieces, um, but uh, collectively was really, really strong and gelled really well and, um, you know, just had some really key players get, really good at the end of the season. So it's kind of like hockey playoffs. Our goalkeeper was unbelievable. And our goal scorer, goal scorers, I guess, Ryan Williams, who plays at New Mexico and Joao Costa were, were on fire. So it was a really fun ride and much deserved by that group because they worked very hard for that. Fantastic. Well, um, Charlotte fans would uh, throw me into the fire if I don't bring this up. Uh, you know, Charlotte Eagles have made, you know, international headlines with some of their policies. Can you give us just a little bit of background from your point of view as far as, you know, it is a Christian missionary group that essentially runs a soccer team and how they go about fielding this team and just your point of view and all of that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. The Eagles are, are run as a, a ministry. And so that's kind of their focus in using soccer as a tool uh, to, I mean, they do all kinds of different things. They do things all over the world, not just in Charlotte. And there's actually several, several branches and there's a branch in Chicago and a branch in Southern California. 
which a lot of people don't know that uh, there's also a PDL team, the Seahorses. So, um, but yeah, so obviously the organization uh, has some policies that they set in place that um, from a team perspective and things, and they're not just the ones that were brought forward in the Guardian article and some other different publications, but there's a whole bunch of a laundry list of different things. And so, you know, the, the organization sets those policies and obviously as a coach and in that perspective, I mean, there's some of those things that I don't have any control over. Um, but for me, the thing that kind of never came out in some of those articles or no one really ever asked was my opinion and, and how I selected the teams and, and chose players. And, and we had guys inside our team. We, we had Muslim players that played for us a couple of years that, um, obviously didn't fit within some of the criterias you would see inside of the policies. But, um, you know, for me, I, I always wanted to select the best possible player that we could find in the trials and in scouting and recruiting. And honestly, I've never asked any of those questions that kind of came up in, in that article. So it was a moot point for me as I selected players. Um, now, that being said, for me, I also, um, you know, wanted to make sure that, uh, you know, players were there by merit um, alone. So none of those things ever came up. So it was an interesting time frame when that article came out and, um, and some and different things that, uh, you know, everyone wanted to have their spin of it, I guess. But uh, it was interesting. No one ever asked me. You're the first one that's ever asked me about that article um, in any interview or anything I've ever done. But for me, it was about selecting the best players. And not everybody that we had in the team was a perfect fit from a ministry perspective um, in, in, in the eyes of uh, the Eagles, I would say, I guess. Yeah, and I think the main topics with that Guardian article were, you know, living a Christian life, um, being celibate before marriage, and... Yeah. Uh, you know, no homosexual, you know, lifestyle. Right. So, so you said you, you had Muslim players. So at that point, no one ever approached you and said, you're not allowed to have these guys or, you know, sorry, we can't sign these players, that kind of thing. No, no one from the management came in. They basically said when I, we had the tryouts and we talk about players, just like we do at the independence, you sit and discuss like this player fits into our, system or whatever it may be um no one ever said to me no you can't do that and part of it was the way i looked at it from a perspective of if if they wanted the the outreach of the ministry to be using soccer as a tool to reach people then we had to be open to reach all people sure okay well no it's great to have your perspective on that um i think we want to get back to the uh the action on the field now a word from our newest sponsor, the 12th Man Pub, South Charlotte's new home for soccer. Open for all European, North American, and South American games with a full bar, 42 draft beers, plus liquor and wine. Daily lunch and dinner menus with weekend breakfast featuring a full English breakfast with Irish coffee and mimosa specials. Check out their daily food and drink specials while watching all of the games on their 11 TVs. Located at the intersection of Community House and Johnston Road, the 12th Man Pub. We like all sports. We love soccer. Last season, you did spin up in Indianapolis with the Indy 11, um, mm -hmm. which were our first opponents this past Friday. Uh, 
what was it like, you know, being across the field from those guys, Martin Rennie and those, you know, some of those players as, you know, you, you spent the last year with them and now you're going against them in the season opener. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was exciting and fun. I mean, I had a, we started to form that team early last summer um, or last season. I mean, um, so a lot of the guys that were even the new players, it was a big part of helping to kind of convince and sign to go there before I came. Um, but lots of great guys on that team. It was a, a good group. And um, so it, it made it, made it interesting. It, it obviously having some, some knowledge of, kind of how they work helps and doesn't help because they had a lot of guys that were new as well. So, and, but yeah, no, it was, it was interesting. It was the second time I've done that actually in that 2017 season in the PDL semifinal, we played Mississippi Bria and I uh, helped start that PDL team and program and coach there for eight years. So it's a kind of a surreal feeling when you, you help form a team and you grow relationships and then, you're on the other sideline. I mean, but, but I didn't get, it was great. I didn't talk to anyone for two weeks before the game. And so it was nice to then chat with them a bit afterwards. Yeah. I didn't want to give away any secrets. I can imagine. No secrets. That's right. Yeah. So did not get off to a uh, impressive start. I think they were down no. two nil inside of what, 16 minutes or so. Um, yes. What was, what was the mood like on the, along the bench? What, were you guys still optimistic? Were you kind of headed hands? How were you feeling? Uh, to be honest, all of that, I mean, it's, we've had a crazy preseason in, in my opinion. I mean, last year in Indy, we had something a little similar. I mean, we started really late and, um, to form the team and the same thing here, it's just been, been a wild preseason as far as numbers and players coming in and how staggered it's been and numbers in training. So, you know, going into the game, we knew we weren't going to be, Honestly, I mean, if I think that if we were being honest, we knew we weren't going to be at our best in this first game. And so some of it was the, the, the optimism of knowing that, but uh, we're still a little bit frustrated with the, the beginning of that game and disappointed. I, I was disappointed with all three goals um, that we gave up. I felt like we, we there's so many errors that you can point back to. I mean, we, we did about eight hours worth of video analysis this weekend, the coaching staff and just watching them over and over again. It's like, Oh my. Um, but I mean, the thing that, that for us and to be fair to the players, they're completely changing stylistically from, you know, the returning players from one coach to another and one staff to another. Um, and uh, we weren't, we weren't as organized and as, confident as I would have liked us to be in that first 20 minutes. Well, you brought up the um, film review and kind of going over the game. Can you give mm -hmm. us a little bit of the, the coach's point of view? Um, there was kind of a fan kind of backlash, I guess you could say, or a critique of uh, the young left back, Andrew Gutman on the first mm -hmm. goal. If you were coaching him, if you're nitpicking him sitting in front of a, you know, the film review, what are you telling him on that first goal to do differently, to do do better? Or did you think he did what he was supposed to do? Um, yes and no. I think for, for me, the ball should have never even got to his side. That came from a throw in and we were, we were very loose on the throw in. 
we didn't track a guy who came off our back line who was able to turn and play out to the other side of the field, which then causes us to have to shift. So Andrew was tucked in. He was probably, you know, maybe, maybe three, four yards a little bit too far inside. Um, that would help him get into to that guy. But, you know, again, to his benefit, credit, or whatever you want to say, uh, there was twice that we could have prevented a ball from being played. And then once the ball was switched, we didn't get enough pressure, and we are able to then play right back across. So it's one of those ones where it goes from one side, everyone's shifting, and then in less than two passes, it's coming back to the other side again. Um, so for me, I think that would be the only thing I would critique of him. I mean, what we want them to do is play in a very compact and tight shape and defending, and, and that's what he was doing. He was tucked in, so maybe three, four yards. So from an individual critique, it's kind of, finding that sweet spot of where you can be connected to the other center backs, but also get out to your player. And it, it correct me if I'm wrong. That was the Indy 11 wing back who actually got the shot away and scored. Correct. Yes. Yeah. So in, yeah. And in that scenario, you don't necessarily want, you know, the left forward Enzo at that time. You don't want him just man marking, tracking him all the way back. Do you? Uh, in that scenario, that, that was, uh, it would be difficult for him, but again, it was off a throw in. So what, when the ball went back to their center back, Patty Barrett, um, off the throw in, Enzo was stepping high to press him. Right. And, and if I'm, if I remember correctly, I think Macaulay took the throw in. So Macaulay takes the throw in or the kid that scored the goal. Um, Enzo's going to press their center back. Once that ball is played inside, he's then double pressing back inside. So it's, it's difficult for him to get there in that sure. moment, in my opinion. Yeah. And I think what he has to do is what he did. Uh, I'm trying to re rewind it in my head, but, um, but he tucked inside and he tried to help compress the field that way. And so, no, not necessarily in that scenario. Right. The thing that caused us a little bit of problems with their wing back was, that, I mean, they basically played with, two number 10s under Dane Kelly. So Sterikov and Envelton played withdrawn. And so they're playing in the space in between our, our backs and our, and our midfield players. And, and then the wing backs were obviously pushing a little bit higher, especially McCauley, um, the number three on his side. And so that causes you a little bit of problems at time because your, your outside backs get caught with how tight they need to stay to help with those two 10s. Um, and I thought we did a better job in the second half, kind of remedying that problem a little bit. Um, and that's what we were slightly disappointed with at the beginning of the game. We just didn't deal well with that. There was a lot too much space on the field. Yeah, and as that ball was played out to their wing back, you know, Gutman was tucked in, and it was two attackers in the box with three defenders. So, you know, in, in my mind, I think he's he's right to realize, you know, those are the danger areas, and then. Yeah. To be honest, where the ball was struck from, is that a, a one in a hundred chance that beats Miller near post from that location, or even <laughs> less? Because I just uh, I don't I don't think that happens too often, to be honest. I would say even less. I would I would think um, I would say if you if you said to Brandon that he was going to face that shot a hundred more times, he would say I would save it ninety nine. Sure. Yeah, I, I think I it really was just. I, mean, I think again we can trace it back to letting balls be switched. And that's a big part of Jim 
from our defending and, and our shape and the way we want to pressure, just letting those two balls happen oh, was painful for him. But, but again, like you said, the 99 out of 100, he's going to save that. And even I think the third goal when, you know, this is the third where they took a corner deep to the far post and he volleys it straight out of the air. It must have passed six independence players to get yeah. to the goal with Jorge on the line. Same thing. I think that's one out of 100. So if yeah. you give up two of those goals, you're, you're really uh, digging yourself a hole. So oh, in yeah. my mind, um, you know, I think you guys are right that, you know, it's going to be a while to get the system under control and everyone know their roles. So one, yeah. one uh, area I wanted to touch on is Enzo's role in this scenario. He was kind of nominally the left forward of a front three with Jorge and Alex as well. Yeah. But there were plenty of times in possession that he was taking up center midfield positions. He was even coming all the way to the right side. And either Jake Ehrman or um, – probably going to butcher his name, but um, Afram Taku, uh, you know, they would kind of, you know, play off of Enzo. If Enzo tucks in to come get mm -hmm. the ball, they're spreading out. So just to give us yeah. a little bit of a rundown on what you guys wanted out of Enzo in that role. Yeah. Well, a couple of things. I mean, I think Enzo is obviously a massive player for us. And the more that he can be on the ball, I think the better. And I think everyone would agree with that. And so we wanted him to be able to play out on that, on that wing and then pick and choose the times to kind of tuck inside and free, even free that space for Andrew Gutman to get forward. Because Andrew's got, I mean, just crazy ability to get up and down the line. And so... You know, Enzo, probably at his best, is, is playing right in the middle of the field as a number 10. Um, and, you know, in, in our setup, it's not necessarily conducive to how we want to defend. So based on that, you, you know, it's got to be compatible. How you want to defend and attack have to be compatible. So to get the most out of him, we felt like we, if we played him out wide and he could tuck inside and find those pockets of spaces between – you know, their, their uh, uh, center backs, their three center backs and their two sixes um, that we felt like he could be dangerous in those pockets. And I felt like, um, you know, on the assist he had, he got into a good space wide and was able to do something. And there was a couple other times, especially in that second half, that he was able to get inside and drive with the ball. Um, but, but that being said, um, we're probably not finalized on exactly where he'll be playing for a majority of the season, just because he's a piece that uh, we have to figure out how we can maximize. Um, so you may see uh, some adjustments with that as we, as we get some more players in, we have a few players still to arrive and that can affect um, some of, of where we use him. But I mean, the bottom line is I think Enzo can, help us initiate our defending he's he's such an aggressive defender and aggressive mentality but he also can initiate just about anything we need to do in the attack so we've got to figure out the best place to maximize his piece and then how that makes the other pieces better yeah absolutely and as far as you know getting in new players the center back pairing for this game were two guys making their club debut um and from just reviewing the game myself, I thought that second goal kind of highlighted their, you know, their inexperience together. You know, they're experienced players on their own, but there's a level of center backs. It's all about the communication, understanding 
what each one's doing. And that second uh, goal that we allowed, service comes into the box, and they were both neither one kind of taking the lead and defending that uh, the main attacker getting through. Um, just tell us a little bit more about those two and where you guys see them as as well as, you know, was there any issues with Hugh Robert fitness-wise as far as why we didn't see him and where you guys see him in that yeah. center-back uh, pecking order? Yeah. Well, I, we feel like we have three starting center-back level players. Um, and I think we'll see – some rotation there obviously there's going to be rotation through through the season because it's a long season and we're um we're going to be a small roster for most of the season and we want to keep everyone engaged and so that they feel feel a part of everything as far as staying switched on so so it was just the coach's decision based on that um from training and we felt like some of the the things that that partnership of Steven and Aaron could do in that game were, were the way to go for that game. So nothing, nothing from that end. And Hugh and Hugh has played really well in the preseason, um, and and I expect him to play a massive part in our season. To be honest, um, and uh, you know as soon as this weekend even. And so, um, yeah, I think you're right. I think that uh, three new center backs. We're going to have to figure out some of the. You know, some of it's nonverbal, some of it's verbal communication. It's a comfort level, knowing who feels comfortable stepping into the midfield or stepping into challenge and who feels more comfortable dropping to cover. And we're, we're getting through that. It's just going to take a little bit longer because Stephen Teacott just arrived um, and Aaron Mound was signed slightly before him. And so to be fair to Hugh, he played all preseason with um, trialist center backs. Um, and so we still have a lot. That's a work in progress, not because of talent, but just work in progress from us getting everyone connected and on the same page. Because you're right, that second goal was you saw two center backs dropping and and we didn't pick up the first runner and we didn't pick up the second runner. Um, and we discussed that a lot this morning on the video. And and to be fair, those guys were raised their hands and said, yeah, we, we need to do better there. And so... Um, you know, that goes back to, like I said earlier, I was disappointed in all three goals. I think, I don't think we necessarily made them earn, earn their goals. And that kind of goes to another point with, there was only one sub made throughout the entire match, you know, at early in the uh, second half, you, you're down two nil to starting the second half, but you go down three nil. And then at that point, we only get the one um, substitution with Dominic Duro. What was the thinking there? Was uh, Kenny Lansali not fit enough to, to give us any um, action or are there any other guys on the bench that, you know, weren't quite ready? Um, well, y yes would be the answer. There was um, – so uh, Abdullahi and Dom were battling injuries for the last week and a half. And so some of it was decisions based on, you know, how long people could go what we felt like their level was from a, not necessarily a fitness, but just a, um, you know, a, a, a uh, uh, health perspective and like, are we going to do more damage? And that just puts them out longer. So some of that was in the decision-making process. I mean, like on a perfect day or, you know, with all of those guys healthy, we'd definitely make some more changes. And then Mark Hill had just got in. Um, and only had one training session, two training sessions under his belt. So we felt like 
Um, we didn't want to throw throw him into the mix and and put him in a scenario that was a lose lose situation for him because it's a long season and we want to make sure we know he can contribute and we want to make sure that uh, we help him be successful so he can help us be successful. So some of it was that, um, you know, Dominic made a huge difference when he came in the game because he's, he's, well, because he's smart. He's a veteran. He knows um, he's a smart guy to get, create space and, and find seams and gaps. I mean, really nice goal, really good goal that, uh, the ball that Enzo played him, find the field off his center back and found that seam. And then he's got great pace, um, which pace changes games. And that's where both uh, Abdullah and Dom are really going to make some of the parts of our game a lot easier for everyone else. Um, so I'm looking forward to those two guys being fully healthy. They both train today. No issues. Both look sharp. Both both look like they're uh, will be ready for this weekend and be available for selection if chosen. Well, I have two listener questions um, okay. before we kind of dive into a preview in the Atlanta matchup. Um, this is from uh, our good friend Ben. He wants to know how do the coaches uh, begin to address defensive issues that we're seeing in the first match. Yeah, well, we, we spent two hours at training working on that, so that's a great question. Uh, some of it is getting getting a little bit more connected. We felt like the team uh, lacked connection, and I just mean from spacing. Uh, I felt like that um, Jim's philosophy, methodology, however you want to describe it, is to be a very aggressive, intense team. And so sometimes if – that is taken literal that you can break the team apart, meaning if the front group is going to press and the back group doesn't step up and squeeze space, then you get exposed. And I think anyone could have seen that the other night, that there was a lot of spaces that, uh, you know, we dealt with a little bit, but we, we need to do better with that. So we worked today a lot on um, keeping the game connected, keeping our pressure connected, keeping our shape connected and, um, you know, trying to make sure that when we step in, we're aggressive, that we can deal with those spaces, um, you know, better. And so tomorrow we'll be back at it, um, you know, and connecting the, the, the whole thing together again from a defensive perspective. So great, great question. And we definitely need to work on that for sure. Absolutely. Next question is from uh, Mr. Bo Round. He wants to know with us. So with so many new faces on and around the field this season, does the organization do anything to ensure that new players or coaches feel more at home amongst their colleagues and in a new city? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think definitely. I mean, I think there's uh, we've had a few events already that uh, so a Jack's Militia event. There was the season ticket holder event to just kind of connect players with people in the community. There's tons of little appearances that, that the guys do. And I think those are always good to connect, um, you know, players with the local community, whether it's the local soccer community, or, you know, if you go to an appearance at a restaurant, we have some of those coming up. You just can kind of see different, different sections of the city. Cause I think that's a hard thing, um, you know, for players when you bring players from all over the world and all over the league and different places in, um, you know, it, the quicker they can adjust and, 
and be comfortable in the city and with the club, the better. And so I think we've done some good things that way. We can probably do a few more things. And I know that there's a few more things planned um, for sure. Great, great. Well, diving into a quick preview of the Atlanta matchup. Um, it was announced today that three players will be away on international duty. Joel Johnson, Kevon George, and help me out with the last player's uh, pronunciation there. Kivatuka. Kivatuka. Um, they will be away. So the, the first kind of glaring hole in the lineup is who else can play right back? Yes. Well, we have several options. Um, Afrin Taku can play as a right back. He played in a few of the preseason games. So up at North at NCFC, he played uh, as a right back. Um, he, he's a pretty versatile player. Um, Joel's a tough one to replace. I really like Joel, and I think he's going to get better and better as the season goes on. He's um, not at full fitness yet. He battled with a little bit of an injury. Um, but we also have uh, Aaron Mound can play as a right back. He's played as a right back before. And I, 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 don't, I don't quote me on this one, but I think Hugh Roberts could play as a right back. He played as a right side center back in a three um, in Pittsburgh and – I think he could probably do that. I mean, he might not say that, but um, but we have a couple options that way. We'd love to see Hugh running up down the uh, entire pitch. Get him oh, out yeah. there. <laughs> All right. So if if Taku is the uh, the choice at right back, and who knows if he is or not, but that does leave an extra hole at center mid where Kivon's already going to be out. So mm -hmm. how do we fill in that defensive midfield role with Kivon being away and possibly um, another center mid and Taku? playing it right back. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, Jake Ehrman started and played in the first game in there. And um, so he's, he's an option. Um, we're looking at Mark Hill as an option. Um, still have Taku as an option. Um, well, tell us about also, Mark Hill. What, tell us a little bit more about Mark Hill. What type of player is he? Um, we obviously yeah. haven't seen him in action. Is he defensive or is he more box to box? Um, I mean, we, well, great question. I'm still delving into that too, because he's only had now four sessions. Um, so, so today we were playing and, and using him more in a traditional six role. Um, and I think he's a smart player he sees the game. Um, well, he's good on the ball. Uh, I think he can do both. I, I would say based on the little observation that I've had of him over these sessions i would say he's more of a defensive midfielder like kind of more of a traditional six okay so so that's a possible option which is fantastic yep. um you know in some of the preseason matches alex um was also playing at center mid was uh -huh. it just a matter of who was healthy and available this past friday as far as where you guys fit him into the position or do you guys truly see him as that you know in the front three yeah uh, he's another guy with versat like like Enzo. He has some good versatility to him. I mean, without giving all of our secrets away um, to all of the other teams that listen to the podcast and scout, um, we want to try to be aggressive at pressing. I mean, on the sidelines, and so a lot of that uh, positioning for Alex and Enzo is because of that. We want to initiate the press and lock it wide. Both of those guys are very aggressive in nature, very competitive in nature, and and that's really important for us. Like, it, and um, so that has something to do with it. 
Um, and I think that you, you could also see a different shape, um, you know, as we, we move forward as well. Good to know. All right. So you're playing Atlanta to or Atlanta United to whatever they want to go by. You spent last yeah. season playing in USL where, you know, half a dozen opponents were essentially MLS two teams. Yeah. Is preparing for them a completely different ball of wax as far as not really knowing what players will be there? Or is it similar enough that you feel pretty confident in predicting what uh, opponent you'll actually yeah. see out there? Well, I think yes and yes and no. I think it's um, it's difficult to prepare from a personnel perspective and looking at individual pieces. So, in other words, like the talent level of the individual player could drastically change whether they're home or away, what the schedule of the first team is. Um, all of those things go into it. Um, you know, and every one of those uh, MLS two teams is is different in their philosophical approach with age of players, academy players, but Atlanta and Atlanta this year has um, been drastically different than last year. I mean, with the change in the first team manager, I think their second team has become more relevant and not that it wasn't relevant last year. They wanted to get guys in, but uh, they're playing basically with the same principles as the first team. So the pieces change, but their principles in, you know, in possession, their principles in how they defend all stay, stay pretty much the same. Um, so that's one of my jobs is opposition analysis. And so, you know, I've watched all of their games and I've rewatched our preseason game with them and, and we've got it clipped up into a million little clips, but some of it, uh, you know, can change. So, you know, their first game they had Pogba was playing in the back. Um, and I doubt he'll travel, but who knows? Um, and then Andrew Carlton and then some of the other guys that kind of fluctuate back and forth. Um, you just never know if they're going to be in the group. So that, that causes some, some issues, but they're, like I said, their principles kind of stay the same. So you prepare based on those principles and then, um, know as much as you can about individual pieces so that you can give advice so this is Andrew Carlton's playing he's technical he's quick he likes to come from left to right and and cut inside and you know you can give those little little tidbits in but um, you just have to do a little bit more research a little bit more work on that front end from an analysis perspective fair enough now is there any sort of you know a a traveling roster that they have to submit that you'll get some sort of advanced notice about yeah. what players are coming into town or is it, do you find out an hour before kickoff just like the fans do? Yeah, both. So w during the week, each USL team is required to send a 23 uh, man or player pool basically. And then, um, and then you will get the, the same time you guys get the starting 11 tweeted out, we get it. Okay. Um, it's uh, so basically we have a little meeting, uh, before everyone comes out for warm up, the rosters are exchanged, and then um, I'm assuming that's when James tweets it out. Um, and then I frantically run back to the locker room, fix up set pieces, get assignments done, and then we put up what we think will be the the lineup. So so we'll prepare during the week. The guys will get that information on Thursday. I'll I'll give them a report with video and. Um, 
you know, analysis from the perspective of lineups, trends in the games. And then we kind of frantically, before they head out to warm up, fix it based on the, the lineup that we get. So you have a, try to do as much as you can beforehand, but, um, you know, you, 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 you then will see some changes. So, I mean, and so with Indy, just to give like for Indy, Matt Watson and, uh, on the left side is the left wing back. That was a little bit of a surprise, especially since I coached Matt and I was really surprised. And so we were having a laugh about that after the game, but, and then Macaulay King into the lineup. So you just never know. There's all those little wrinkles. And then with those MLS two teams, they just throw them in even more because sometimes they'll send you a 23 pool and they end up showing up with 16 players, um, on a, on a travel day. So. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, I don't know if you've seen the news, but uh, a new goalkeeper was announced today, young Curtis Anderson. Um, yep. Y- you will have to uh, bury your fandom a little bit. He is from Manchester <laughs> yeah. City. Yeah, I don't so. know how that's going to work. But anyways, we'll we'll see if we can we can uh, come to an agreement. But he's our player now, so he doesn't even need to know anymore that he played for that <laughs> other team in Manchester. There you go. Now, have you seen enough – of him to compare him to any kind of, you know, famous goalkeepers? Um, n- not enough to give you a con- complete comparison from a perspective of, I don't like to do that on video anyways. I think that's difficult. I, I like to see players live and, um, and obviously train, but he's very good with his feet. Um, you know, he's a typical modern day goalkeeper in that way or modern trending goalkeeper. Um, but he's very, very comfortable with his feet. He's a very good shot stopper. Um, I, I think he's, he's good off his line. He's played in a lot of big games for his youth, youth national team. Um, you know, but this is going to be a, a good experience for him. And I think he's a guy that can come in and help push Brandon. Brandon, um, you know, needs someone here that can help push him. We, we need competition. You Competition makes everyone better. And so a, a young guy that's hungry and, and uh, coming into the mix will, will be great. And, and Brandon deserves that. He deserves someone to help push him so that he can be his best. Um, but next time maybe we talk, I'll, I'll have a good comparison for you. There you go. Uh, yeah, we're excited to see the young man. So. Yeah. All right. Well, Dave, I definitely appreciate you taking the time with us today. Um, you know, you guys are uh, – Exciting, and you know the, the fight back that we saw was at least encouraging. Uh, it feels like maybe <laughs> seasons past going down three nil would have been uh, the white flag would have been hoisted. So we were we were excited to see those uh, two goals go in, and you know fight to the uh, last minute there. Yeah, no, so so are we, and and thanks for having me on, and thanks for doing this and everything that you do, you guys do to help promote the game here. We we uh, we just want everyone to stick with us and keep coming out to the games we're gonna get better and better and better um as this season rolls on and uh i think it'll be exciting to watch us progress well fantastic well that is going to wrap it up you can find the podcast on espncharlotte.net and anywhere you get your podcast from and as brad loves to say no matter who you support let's work together to grow the game